what has Jesus done for me? Uh, that's a question that I presented last week that I asked everyone to consider. What has Jesus done for you? Now, in general terms, we, we might be able to answer that. But what about specifically? How can you answer that? What has Jesus done for you? And, and I was thinking through this, and, and I, I thought, well, I asked everyone else to do this, and I didn't really do it myself. So uh, I guess I felt convicted a little bit. So I sat down and I tried to answer, what has Jesus done for me? And I came up with a few things and actually narrowed it down to five. And then as I was looking at them, I thought, okay, these are actually for all of us, yet they're specific. And I'm not going to give my specifics, but I just thought through. And so the first thing was, Jesus gives me hope for eternity. Now, specifically, personally, that speaks more than what I will even say up here. When we're going through challenges in life or hard times, that's when we start to think, okay, there has to be more. There has to be something else. This, this can't be it. This just can't be why God put us here, just to, to go around like we are and, and, and to feel, the, feel what we feel and, and not have this hope. Uh, specifically, maybe, maybe that matters to you. Maybe it's that, that Jesus offers a better way of living. Now, if you have everything under control and, and you have life the way you want it and, and things are really perfect, then maybe right now this doesn't mean much. But as we start to lose control, and, and uh, whether it's uh, health reasons or, or because of decisions that other people made or decisions that we've made, and uh, it's, not, it's not really uh, the way I thought it was going to be, um, we, have an, we have a better way. Um, he offers me fulfillment. I'm going to talk a lot about that today, so I'm going to just kind of pass over that one for now. Maybe the most personal is that he offered me forgiveness. It is, it is really hard sometimes to forgive ourselves. Uh, there are things that I can remember that I've done and said and, and even things that I've thought, and it's like, I, I don't know if I can really, I mean, I don't know if I can forgive myself for that. That was, that was a long time ago, and it, everything else, everything worked out okay. I think Satan finds a way to get those things to creep back up in our minds. And I remember, well, if, if Jesus knew this and he forgave me, then maybe I should forgive myself. And then the fifth one, he offers me unconditional love. And this is the hardest one to believe. I mean, really, I, I, know, I know that God cares for us. I know that he cares for his people. I know that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross first. And so it's easy for me to believe, yeah, God loves people. But me, specifically, he, I don't know, that's a little harder to believe. I know myself. I, I know who I am. I know my thoughts. I know uh, when I get angry. I, I know things about myself that no one else knows about me. And I think, how could God really specifically, personally love me? This is hard to believe. I want to feel loved, and, and so do you, but sometimes I forget what Jesus actually offers. It's so easy to forget. We can stand in church we can read through our Bibles, we can read through the New Testament reading plan, you can do everything that, that, uh, that we see the, new, the early church doing. We can, uh, we can spend time praying and reading our Bibles and come to church every week and have perfect attendance and be in small groups and accountability groups and still miss Jesus. And we can be right with Him and still miss what He has to offer to us. I know that he's for the lost, I know he's for the broken, I know he's for the sick and the needy, but I just kind of, sometimes I think, well, I'm not, 
I'm not in that boat. I feel pretty good about myself. Uh, I, I, I count my blessings, and I appreciate where I am, and I say, well, he has it a lot worse than I do, so, and then you know what, what I do is then I start to forget that he actually died for me too, not just the sick and the needy. He de- definitely did for all those people too, but we don't have a self-help faith, and we can't, we can't make our, ourselves right with God. We can't make ourselves right with ourselves. I can't do the things that I need to do to make myself feel good about myself. I can't look to me and feel like, okay, I'm through this, I'm good, because it always creeps back up. There's always something that Satan will use to get me to hate myself or to feel bad about myself or something I've done to bring that guilt back into my life. We do not have a self-help faith. We have a faith in Jesus. He came for you, and we have to remember that. So this morning, I want to look at a story that tells us two things. First, what does it look like to go to Jesus, uh, to actually go to Him for help? And then what does it look like when He meets our needs? We're going to be in Mark chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 9, in a story that when Jesus feeds 4,000. Now, you might think, well, this story was already told, but it was 5,000, and there wasn't the same amount of food and people. Now, this story wasn't told uh, just a couple chapters ago. Uh, that, that was a different story with a different amount of food. It was only one day instead of three, and it was with a Jewish audience and not a Gentile audience. Just like last week, Jesus is still with a lot of people who were not religious. And so join me then in, in, in reading Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat... Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. All right, the first thing that I see in this story is Jesus had compassion on the people who followed him. He had compassion on the people who went to him. They weren't church-going people. We wouldn't say, oh, those were, you know, those were good people. No, they were most likely idol worshipers, uh, pagan worshipers that worshiped other gods. But they heard about Jesus, and they went to him. And then they stayed for three days. If I preach over 30 minutes, you guys are, I'm hearing about it. I mean, come on, we got things to do this afternoon, you know. Well, I'm not Jesus, so you get a free pass. But they stayed with him for three days. And if he had compassion on these people who were unlovable, undeserving, ungodly, maybe the door's open for all of us. Because it wasn't just their past sins. It was also their present sins. It was the way that they were living. They came to him, and he had compassion. And that tells me a lot. It tells me that he cares. Notice the why Jesus had compassion on them. Verse 2 again. Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Now, this phrase, have been with me, other translations, maybe in your Bible says, remain. It doesn't just mean attendance. It means that that they were actually with him. They were paying attention. They weren't playing games or thinking about the afternoon uh, or, or worried about their week. They were fully invested in Jesus and what he had to say and what he had to reveal to them. They weren't there to to see a show. They weren't there to to see a performance. They were there because they heard about this man, and they heard about things that he did and who he might be, so they went to him. 
it reminds me of, of uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. These people went to him, and they weren't worried about food, even after three days, but Jesus wanted to feed them. They didn't earn it. They didn't serve. They didn't perform. They simply stayed with Jesus, and I think that's the hardest thing. I think it's pretty easy to serve Jesus. I think it's easy to, to, to give and, and to serve and to, uh, to reach out to other people. That's, I really do. I think that's the easiest part of the Christian faith. I know I can do this. There's a tangible result, and, uh, and it's like a checklist. Like, if I give this much, I've done my part. If I, uh, I'm, I'm part of the body, and that's great. And we should, we should definitely be a part of the body and do all these things. But to stay with Jesus, to spend time with him. I mean, honestly, sometimes I think, does Jesus really want to spend time with me? I mean, yeah, if I, if I, if I sit in, in quietness and I pray... Why does he want to talk to me? I mean, none of you want to talk to me. Why would, why would Jesus want to talk to me? You know, when we think about who we are, it's hard because we're so focused on ourselves and not on Jesus. It's tough, though. If I, if I get hungry, if uh, my phone vibrates, if I start thinking about something that has to get done later today, then I just I cut it short. I, I leave before something happens. And I think about this story, and they were there three days, and then, and I, we're not even to that part yet, but, but Jesus took care of their needs. What if we left, left early? What about those people who, after two days, said, you know, I got to get back to work? So they left. Or I'm, I'm really hungry right now. My stomach's starting to hurt. I'm starving. And so they left. Would they miss out? Being fed. Yeah, it's, it's not your church, it's not your small groups, it's not your family, and you might say, well, I'm just not being fed. That's not on anyone else. That's on you. You stay with Jesus long enough, and he wants to feed you, and he will feed you. Verse 4, his disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute them to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. They stayed, and Jesus provided. All he asked of his disciples, of of his servants to do was to help deliver the food. But it wasn't on them. Jesus performed the miracle. He didn't ask the disciples to. He simply asked them to take part. What an honor. What a blessing. We have purpose as well. We've been asked to take part in sharing this with the world, the good news. Last week in our, um, in our text, the Jesus and the, and the man who was possessed by a demon or at least controlled by a demon, um, we, I pointed back to uh, the, the, the new exodus. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were wandering, and, and well, before they were wandering, they were running from the Egyptians to get out of slavery, and as they were going through, the water came down and flooded the enemy. In the story that we read last week, uh, the pigs, the demons were sent into the pigs, and they, they went into the water, and they were drowned. The, the enemy is not people. The enemy is Satan and his demons. Well, this week, it's, it's even a, an easier tie. This story I told you wasn't a repeat from from two chapters ago. This was kind of a repeat from the book of Exodus. 
See, the Israelites were wandering and had nothing to eat. But God provided. In this story, they have nothing to eat. Through Jesus, God provided. Verse 4, his disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Now, the literal reading of this question should be more like, Who in this desolate place can satisfy their hunger? See, when I read this scripture, I think, Oh, it's about food. Where can you get food out in the middle of nowhere? But how we should be reading it is, who can provide satisfaction? They asked the question, and Jesus answered it. But they're just like us. I mean, they realize they forget. They, they forgot what God had done before. They forgot how he had come through. And we forget God's faithfulness of how he got us to this point and how he got us through some really hard times in our lives. And so we start to look at other places. He warned us. This is actually the first big commandment that we ever received in the Ten Commandments. See, back in Exodus 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words. This is the first thing he did. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So first thing he does is remind them, this is what I've done for you. This is what I've done for you up to this point. Now, hear me out. First commandment, this is, this is important. And I, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be like, don't murder. You know, that's probably the biggest one that, that I would think, you know. No, you shall have no other gods before me. When we do that, when we put anything before God, we're in trouble. And he knows it. It's not, it's, you know, maybe part of it, and I don't want to say that it's not because he's not a jealous God, because he says that. But I think it's also because he knows what's best for us. If we put anything before God, we're in trouble. And we know this. If we're going to trust God with our, um, with our future, even with our present, if we're going to trust Him now, if we're going to trust Him with the future, we're going to have to look back and remember what He's done. If I, if I can't trust Him now, if I'm not going to trust Him, I'm in trouble, and He knows that. So He says, look back, look what I've done for you. Hopefully that list uh, from the beginning, the question of what has Jesus done for you, hopefully there's at least one thing in that list, whether it's from my five uh, that I came up with or something that you came up with, that you can just cling to that. This is what he has done for me. I can trust him in the future as well. See, we can be in church like these disciples. They were with Jesus. We can still miss him. I mean, you can hear a sermon. I, I've done this. I can hear a sermon. I can sing songs. And completely and leave and completely miss Jesus and completely think, Wait, what was that about? You know, I, I think that happens and that's okay at times. I mean, we still keep coming. That's the idea of, uh, of daily bread, of, of coming back every week, that it's just a thin layer at a time that, that makes us who we are. But A.W. Tozer said it well. He said, unbelief says some other time but not now. Some other place, but not here. Some other people, but not us. But faith says, anything he did anywhere else, he will do here. Anything he did any other time, he is willing to do now. Anything he ever did for other people, he is willing to do for us. And he said, with our feet on the ground and our head cool, but with our heart ablaze with the love of God, we walk out in this fullness of the Spirit, if we will yield and obey. When I look at the text today, they stopped what they were doing. 
they yielded in their week, in their busy schedule, and in, in all the priorities that they probably had, and they didn't have refrigerators with food, so they probably had to, to do some things to take care of their needs and their family's needs, and they stopped for three days, and they just listened to Jesus. And they only had to do one thing. Where's the obey come in? He, he told them to sit down. That was it. They stayed. He said, sit, and he took care of their needs. But if we don't stop and listen and sit with Jesus and, and, and try, to, try to remember what he's done for us, well, then we're missing out on a, on a huge blessing because here comes the blessing, verse 8. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. It's pretty simple. You put Jesus first, you'll be satisfied. If you don't, you're going to look other places for the satisfaction, and it's going to kill you. Literally, it's not going to be good. It's a constant struggle. I'm not talking down to you. I feel it too every day. On Sunday, I come to church, and especially when I hear someone else preach or, or even through the, through the worship, it's like, okay, this is, this is what God wants for me. I need to, to refocus. And, and Monday, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to work. And then Tuesday, oh, I'm tired now. And, and this is exhausting. And I remember what I thought I was going to do on Sunday, but man, there's just so many things that are going on and I need to plan for next Sunday. And, and this person's sick and this person needs help. And I'll get to this next week. I'll refocus on Jesus next Sunday. It's a constant battle, but we're missing so much when we put anything before God. He knows that we need to put Him first. And if we do, we will find satisfaction. And the other thing I wanted to point out in these last two verses, they, were ate, and, they ate and were satisfied, and there was bread left over. With Jesus, there is more than enough. I think a big part of our lives is not that we're trying to find all this entertainment and pleasure and, uh, and, and just joyness in life all the time. And, and uh, maybe that's some. There's a lot of people that, you know, maybe we're after entertainment. But I think there's a lot of responsible people. It's, it's not about just entertaining yourself. It's providing. It's preparing for your, uh, your kids when they go to college. It's planning uh, as your parents start to age. It's, it's for you and your spouse for retirement. We start to think about all the needs that we have to take care of, and we forget that there was enough, and there was something left over. You believe that with Jesus there is enough to get us to the next day. See, Jesus didn't uh, give them what they needed for the rest of their lives. Here, guys, you take all this food and all this, uh, all this money, and, and you'll be good for the rest of your life. You follow me, and all your needs are met. All he gave them was enough for the next day. All he gave them was one meal. We need constant nourishment. That's where our faith comes in. I don't know what life's going to look like in, in, uh, in 30 years, in 10 years, in 5 years, in 3 months, in 3 days. But I know when I, when I go to Jesus, there's enough to get me to tomorrow. That has to be enough. We can't keep asking Jesus to, to bless our lives the way that we want our lives to go. I'm going to live how I want to live, and Jesus, please bless my lifestyle. I know it's not what you want. I know it's not what you offered, but I like it quite a bit, and I'm just asking, just give me a little, little support. He's not going to do that because he cares too much, and he's offered us new life and a fullness of life. He's not going to let you settle. We settle, we miss out. We put him first, we don't miss out. Jesus sent those people away full, 
but they needed more. That's why we open our Bibles every day. That's why we pray every day. That's why we come to church every Sunday, and that's why we take communion every single week, a constant reminder. Our greatest need, our greatest desire, our deepest longing, it's not that we have a full stomach, that we have a full belly, it's that we have a full life. We're tired of getting hungry, we're tired of hurting, we're tired of sinning, we're tired of just being tired, but the only thing you need for this story to become your story is to do what the disciples did and go to Jesus empty and ask him to fill you. And they did, and they felt compassionate, and they were provided for, and they left satisfied only because they remained with Jesus. As we move into our time of communion, uh, I want to challenge you to remember. There's a lot of power in remembering. Uh, I think this being filled, this, this satisfaction, the, uh, these words that it's like, okay, what does this mean for me? If we remember... It'll happen. I have uh, five and seven-year-old daughters, so I watched a lot of kids' movies. Probably watched kids' movies before they were born, but that's beside the point. Um, but there's there's a, a couple. Uh, I think I might have mentioned one of these before. There's three that I that really stood out to me when I was thinking about this. One is Finding Nemo. You know, has everyone seen Finding Nemo? It's been out for like ever. But there's a fish, uh, Dory. She can't remember a single thing, and uh, and then and then she finally does. And what does she do when she remembers? She says it over and over again. She shares it with the people around her, and you cannot stop her. There's another movie called The Lion King. It's been out a while. They've remade it. Simba looks to his dad. His dad says, remember who you are. So what does he do? He takes action. He remembers not just who he is. He remembers who his dad is. He remembers his loving father looking over him, providing for him, taking care of him, and it gives him the courage to take action. There's a newer movie um, called Inside Out. Uh, Riley's a teenage girl. She's going through a lot of changes and her emotions, and she's focusing on all the bad, and then all of a sudden she focuses on the good, and her perspective changes in life. And when, when her focus changes, then she finds this fulfillment. Now, I'm not just going to talk about Disney Pixar movies, although they're pretty good movies, um, but this is going somewhere. Luke 22, 19 and 20, it says this, And he, Jesus, took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus tells his disciples uh, to take communion to remember. Remember what? Uh, first, his sacrifice. This is my body given for you. And then he says, my blood, which is poured out for you. He's reminding them, and he reminds us that he was going to make a sacrifice. And since then, he has made a sacrifice. And it's for us, for you specifically. He's bringing you into the story. You remember this because this matters to you quite a bit. And then, and then uh, he says, to remember the covenant, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the promise. This is where we get this confidence. And when, when it starts to creep, like, creep in that I haven't done enough, I'm not staying faithful enough, I'm not staying focused enough, I'm not doing my part. No, this is the promise that Jesus is living out his part, and he's never going to go back on it. This is the promise of new life. And just like in those 
Disney and Pixar movies. We remember so that we share the good news with those who need to hear it. Uh, we remember to, to take action, to live as our, our part of the body of Christ. And we remember to find this fulfillment that we can only find in Jesus. The only way you will be satisfied, just like in the story, is if you remain with Jesus and constantly remember each and every day who He is, the Son of God, powerful, and what He did. Died on the cross because of His love for you, but was raised to new life and, and shows us that we can have that same confidence that when we die here, we too will be raised to new life. Let's pray. Father, you are so loving and so good to us, and we see it in, in so many different ways. But we have to keep our eyes open. When we look through these scriptures and these stories and think, these are nice, but what do they have to do with me? Father, you have revealed to us that we've been brought into your story uh, because of your love, because uh, you were willing to make a sacrifice instead of just leaving us here in our sin and our guilt to carry all this on our own, to carry these burdens and, and, and grief and shame. Now we can put it all down because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I pray that we would remember that as we take communion, that when we look at the cup, that we think about Jesus and this life that he's offered us. As we give offering, I pray that you would remind us that we do have enough, not just to get to tomorrow, but we have you, and so we have enough to be a part of a bigger mission that we could share this hope with the world. If it's on anyone's minds or if they don't know, Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts and allow them and give them the courage and the wisdom and the strength to make a decision to accept this gift gift that you've offered. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. Amen.